The reading this evening is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting at verse 1, which can be found on page 670 of the Church Bibles. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, a time for everything. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever has already been done and whatever he has been, done, has been before, and God will call the past to account. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's a great joy to be here and to be able to open God's word with you this evening. Uh, what I'd like to do uh, as we spend some time looking at Ecclesiastes 3 is to use that chapter to help us to think about um, how we view time and think about how our culture views time, how other cultures view time, and what it means to have a Christian view of time. So let me pray that God would help us to think about time wisely and well this evening. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us through the scriptures, uh, that you're a living God who delights to talk to your children. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice speaking to us through your word this evening. And we ask that you would give us hearts and minds that are quick to hear and obey. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder how you cope with having your time wasted. Does having your time wasted irritate you? And I wonder how you manage your time. Are you the kind of person with a million things on your to-do list? Or are you someone who just lets life wash over you so that you can go happily with the flow? We live in a culture, both in England and Australia, that describe themselves as being time poor. And I've noticed that very often when you ask people after church how they're going and what their week has been like, you'll get a very common answer. How's your week been? Busy. Being busy is almost a mark of significance, isn't it? If you, it's easy to feel that if you're very busy, you must be very important. 
And actually, when you stop to think about it, what on earth does it mean to say that we live in a time-poor culture? When you stop to think about that, it's pretty ridiculous. We have exactly the same amount of time as everyone else. It doesn't matter what culture you live in. A day is a day, and a year is a year. Ecclesiastes 3 is a passage that teaches us about time. Ecclesiastes is a pretty complicated book. Uh, One of the reasons that it's complicated is because it spends a lot of time focusing on diagnosing the problem, and it actually doesn't give that much attention to telling us the answer. So most of Ecclesiastes tells us how not to view the world, and we only get occasional glimpses of how we should view the world. And you'll know that the key character in this book is a man called the Preacher, The preacher has set himself on a journey of discovery. The journey that he has started out on is to try and work out what life is all about. But he's approached the task in a very particular and perhaps surprising way. You see, he doesn't immediately turn to God's word. Instead, what he does is look at the world around him to look at human experience and try to work out from what he can see what life is about. And his conclusion is mostly pretty discouraging. When viewed just from this perspective, from the point of view of human experience, the preacher concludes that life is like a breath. In Melbourne, at the moment, if you went outside at six o'clock in the morning and breathed out you would see a big cloud of your own breath. Wait six months and you'll be able to do it too. You see your breath on a cold winter's day, but in a few seconds it disappears. And that is what life is like, according to the preacher. It's a breath. It's gone in a moment. It's fleeting. It's meaningless. That is what life is like At least that is what life is like if you don't bring God into the picture. And in chapter 3, the verses that were read to us, we're going to learn about time, and we're going to learn what it means to live without God in your time. And I also want to show you what it means to have your time transformed by a relationship with God. But I think to understand these verses, we need to think first about how our own culture views time and how other cultures around the world view time. So what I'm going to do this evening is give you three pictures of time, three pictures that reflect on Ecclesiastes 3 and the world that we live in. And what I want to show you is how the Lord Jesus fulfills a picture that the preacher can only hint at. So my three views of time are called straight line time, round and round time, and God redeemed time. We'll look at those in turn. First of all, straight line time. The straight line time is the way that most British people and the way that most Australian people understand time. In straight line time, time is seen as linear a straight line. And in this view, 
The universe began with a big bang about 15 million, sorry, 15 billion years ago. And according to this view, the universe will probably last for another 5 to 10 billion years. So in straight line time, time is linear and it has a beginning and an end. And if you live in straight line time like we do, you also live in clock time. So time is measured by the clock. And if you're measuring time by the clock, when does a meeting start? Well, a meeting starts at 10 a.m. when it was scheduled to start. And in our culture, in straight line time, time is viewed as a commodity. So time is something that we measure and quantify, and it's something that we sell. If you're a nurse, you sell your time for 20 pounds an hour, 10 pounds an hour, if you're a lawyer, you sell your time for £500 an hour. I don't know why that is. And because time is a commodity, we worry about wasting it. So we talk about making the best use of time. And one of the cultural views of straight line time is that it tends to be optimistic. So straight line time tends to view the world as progressing and getting better. In straight line time, there's the expectation that things will keep on improving. So most British people have an expectation of life that frankly is totally unrealistic. Uh, we expect that we'll all keep on getting richer and richer and that life will keep on getting better and better. And one of the problems with straight line time, one of the problems of our culture, is that there is a very big tension right at the middle of it. Here's the tension. The tension is that the universe is roughly 15 billion years old and is going to keep going for another 10 billion years or so. That beginning and that ending are an incredibly, almost unimaginably long way apart. So how does my life compare to 25 billion years? Even if I live to be 100 years old, my life is such a tiny infinitesimal fraction of 25 billion years as to be totally and utterly insignificant. And so it's no surprise that in straight line times, one of the great uh, causes of angst is a search for significance. Everyone wants to live a significant life. Everyone feels that they have to make a difference. Everyone wants to change the world. A friend of mine said to me recently, my greatest fear is that I'll live an ordinary life. And we're desperate to be significant, but measured by straight line time, frankly, our lives are totally insignificant. Well, that's straight line time. Let's now look at round and round time. And actually, round and round time is the way that many people in other parts of the world view time. So in South Asia, Southeast Asia, many millions of people view time not as a straight line, but as a circle. In round and round time, time is endless and it keeps on repeating itself. 
in an endless cycle. In some cultures, that includes the idea of reincarnation, so that I live my life over and over again. And round and round time is not usually clock time, but is event time. So how do you know when a meeting starts in event time? Remember, in clock time, a meeting starts at 10 a.m. In event time, a meeting starts when all the important people are gathered and are ready to begin. Event time makes perfect sense if you live in a culture where most people don't have easy access to watches or clocks. So this is how life works in event time. You get up when the sun rises. You go to work when you've finished breakfast. You stop work when you've done all the things that need doing for the day. And you go to bed when you're tired. Now, some of you will have travelled cross-culturally. You may have experienced event time. If you're a Westerner, it can be extremely frustrating, can't it? So they, you get invited to attend a meeting at 10 a.m., you arrive at three minutes before 10 a.m. and there's no one there. The first people start to arrive around half past 10 and the meeting actually starts when the boss walks in at quarter to 11. And while it may seem frustrating, that view of time to a Westerner, actually it makes a lot of sense because time goes round and round, doesn't it? There's a cycle of day and night and day and night. There's a cycle of summer and winter and summer and winter. And there's the cycle of birth and death. And at one level, the same things do happen over and over again. Harvest, famine, war and peace. How natural then for people around the world to view time as circular and endlessly repeating itself. And that leads us to Ecclesiastes 3 and God redeemed time. Now, at first glance, Ecclesiastes 3 seems to have a lot in common with round and round time. Look at the beginning of chapter 3. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And what follows is unmistakably a pattern and a rhythm. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. So everything has its time, everything has its season, life has a pattern, and the pattern of life in Ecclesiastes is a pattern that includes both good and bad. Ecclesiastes is realistic. In real life, we will experience both joy and grief. We'll know life and death. We'll know dancing and mourning. We'll laugh and we'll cry. So Ecclesiastes 3 is a chapter that's sometimes read at weddings, but is also often read at funerals. And this is a realistic picture of what life is like. Life 
Life is not a straight line that moves from one happiness to greater happiness. Life does not promise us ever-increasing prosperity. And our world is certainly not characterised by increasing peace and stability. Ecclesiastes knows that reality is not like that. And if we think that our lives will be like that, then we're deceiving ourselves. Your life and my life will see this pattern. Each of us was born and we will all die. We'll all weep and we'll laugh. We'll mourn, we'll dance, we'll seek and we'll lose. This is the real world. And yet, in straight line time in our culture, it's easy for us not to live in it. I heard a radio chat show a while back uh, where a man phoned in to say how much he was missing his wife who had recently died. He said, it's all been the most terrible shock. I never expected it. The presenter asked the guy how old he was. He said, I'm 96, but my wife was only 92. There is a man who was not in tune with reality. To be in tune with reality knows that there is life and death, that there are joys and sorrows, that there is war and peace. But this is not round and round time. See, in round and round time, everything just repeats itself with no purpose. Events are governed by blind fate. But the preacher is clear that we are not trapped in a meaningless and repetitive cycle. Verses 9 to 15 make it clear that we live under God's rule and that this pattern is all God's doing. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 is one of the most hauntingly beautiful verses in the whole of the Bible. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Do you hear what the preacher is saying in that verse? He's saying, we look at the world and we wonder if there's a pattern. We sense a meaning, we glimpse a greater reality, but we can't quite focus on it. We can't quite see what God's hand is doing. We sense there's something there because God has put eternity into our hearts. But we can't see the whole picture. We can't find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I wonder if you've uh, had the experience of visiting an English stately home. We went to Warwick Castle at the end of last year and many of the walls are covered in huge tapestries that were used in medieval times to keep the place warm. Whole walls of a castle covered in enormous tapestries. And those tapestries all tell a story. Ecclesiastes is saying that the story of the universe is God's tapestry. He is the master of the story of creation. 
from beginning to end. Ecclesiastes says there is a big, big picture, but the preacher feels that he is like one tiny thread in that canvas. He senses that he's part of something bigger, but he says that we can't see the whole story. Or can we? Can we see the whole story? Well, the preacher in Ecclesiastes certainly can't. He can't see the beginning from the end. He can't discern what God is doing in our world. But we don't live in the Old Testament. The Bible is clear that there is a great mystery. There is a mystery about what God is doing in our world. And Ecclesiastes senses that mystery, but the preacher can't see the answer. For all his great wisdom, he's fumbling in the dark. But friends, we are not stumbling around in the dark. We do know the answer. Not because we're wiser or smarter than the preacher, of course that's not the case. We know the answer because God has revealed it to us. So what is the answer to this mystery? Well, simply... It is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul puts it like this. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Ecclesiastes is sensing that God has a great plan, but although the preacher glimpses that, He can't see what it is. But we know the answer. The answer is that God's own Son has come into the world. The answer is that all of God's plans and purposes are fulfilled by our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus we have everything we need. In Jesus we know all we need to know. And in Jesus all of God's plans find their fulfilment. So the good news of Jesus makes sense of everything. He makes sense of life and death. He makes sense of joy and sorrow. And Jesus makes sense of our time. In Jesus, we live not in straight-line time, Neither do we live in round and round time. We live in God-redeemed time. God-redeemed time is life lived under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you live with Jesus as ruler of your life, your time has been redeemed into wonderful and God-glorifying significance. In God-redeemed time, your time is not meaningless. God sees every moment of your day. He sees every second of your life. And every second is a second lived for him. 
so that every moment is a precious opportunity to glorify Jesus and serve his people. Every enjoyable and pleasurable event in your life is an opportunity to thank God and rejoice in his goodness. C.S. Lewis said that our eyes should see the sunbeam and go back up to the sun. Every moment of beauty or joy and our eyes go back up the sunbeam to the sun, to our God who is the giver of all good gifts. And every painful moment is an opportunity to trust his promises. Every experience of suffering and grief is a time when we can know more fully his grace and his love in our lives. And the Bible is clear that in God-redeemed time, nothing is wasted. Death is not the end. There is a future to look forward to, a new heaven and a new earth. And as we faithfully serve the Lord Jesus now, our righteous deeds will last forever. Did you know that? Did you know that your faithful service of the Lord Jesus today will last forever? Let me read from Revelation 19. This is the great hymn of praise that God's people sing as the Lord Jesus Christ moves into the wedding feast with his bride, the church. And God's people sing out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Your righteous deeds done today are weaving the wedding dress of the bride of Christ. So most people in this country are living in straight line time. In straight line time, the great search is for significance. People who are desperate to live lives that make a difference. Everyone wants to change the world. In schools all over the country, kids are being told that they can be anything they want to be and being sold a terrible lie. We live in a culture that is desperately striving for significance and purpose. But as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been set free from that struggle. And our great calling is not to significance, but to faithfulness. And the great promise of the gospel that we believe is that as we faithfully serve the Lord Jesus, every righteous deed will last to eternity. A couple of years ago, Don Carson published a book called Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor. Some of you may have read it. It's the story of his father's life. Don Carson's dad was a very ordinary man. He faithfully served the Lord Jesus in French-speaking Canada. 
he didn't see any amazing church growth. He didn't really see many people become Christians through his ministry. But he did live a life that was faithful to the gospel of Jesus. Don Carson's study assistant read through all of the diaries and letters that were the story of this ordinary pastor. And the study assistant wrote these words in a letter to Don Carson. He wrote, I used to aspire to be the great next missionary hero. After reading your dad's diaries, the Lord has given my heart a far loftier goal, simply to be faithful. I know we as men are but dust, but what dust the man I read about in these diaries was. And for us living in God-redeemed time, this is our great calling, simply to be faithful, to be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ, and in that faithfulness, to know that our time is redeemed, that every moment has a purpose, that every day has a goal, and that every righteous deed will last to eternity. Well, let's close by praying together. And I'd like to lead us in Augustine's great prayer that was uh, taken from the verses we've read today. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. So lead us by your spirit that in this life we may live to your glory and in the life to come enjoy you forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.